0: But if there's nothing outside the TARDIS and we're nowhere, then what is there to worry about? I don't know. But you see, the emergency unit is limited to a certain time, simply because Because it's dangerous to stay where we are for any longer, yes. But we must be safe at the moment, otherwise the unit wouldn't let us stay here, would it? You're interested in what's outside the TARDIS now, aren't you? Well, curious, yes. Jose, listen to me. If we move outside the TARDIS, we step into a dimension about which we know nothing. We should be at the mercy of the forces outside time and space as we know it. Hello everyone, and thank you for joining us on a quick trip through space and time. My name is Caleb. And I'm Mac. And this is the podcast where a Doctor Who veteran and a Doctor Who beginner go through each episode of Doctor Who and give their thoughts on it. And today we are discussing The Mind Robber. Yes, The Mind
1: Robber was written by Peter Ling, directed by David Maloney, produced by Peter Bryant, and aired September 14th, 1968 to October 12th. 1968. I have watched the first episode of this because I own the DVD. I think it's going to be a good one. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> pretty sure. I'm supposed to be the expert. Mike. I really
0: hope it's going to be a good one because we've had some stinkers. <laughs> yeah, this six episode slog that we're in is <laughs> pretty brutal.
1: Yeah, it really is because this one's, this one's five episodes long,
0: so... Not too too bad. We've had worse. We will have worse. <laughs> but <laughs> if I remember correctly, we have two worse ones in this season, right? I'm pretty sure. Let me double check. Because I thought you told me we had an eight and a ten in this up ep- in this season. Yes. Oh Jesus. So
1: so we have
0: this fiver, <clears throat> and then it goes eight, four, six, six, ten. God damn. Why is the why is the chout getting so long? <laughs> if it helps.
1: After that ten, it's a four, and then three sevens, and then after those three sevens, it is nothing but fours and sixes, as far as the eye can see. And even a couple of <laughs> even a couple of twos and ones. <laughs> so we're in the clear. So like we can see the horizon where relatively okay length episodes <laughs> await us.
0: We just need to get through two seasons.
1: Basically, yeah, we just gotta get through two seasons, and then we'll two seasons
0: after the six we did before. Yeah, it's fine.
1: It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> we're getting there. It's fine. But uh, Caleb, uh, I know we're we're rusty, but uh, I do. Pr- I'm I'm pretty sure this is the next part. Given everything you know about Doctor Who, and given the title of this episode,
0: "The Mind Robber," what do you think this episode's gonna be about? Uh, it's kind of like the opposite of Inception. Uh, you know, in Inception, they go into your dreams and they, they give you an idea. And this one, they go into your dreams and they take stuff away. Hmm. And those things are, I don't know, sexy robots. And who are they? The sexy robots. They're going to go into the companion's dreams and, I don't know, steal shit. Okay. <laughs> Jamie's going to forget what a beast he is. <laughs> oh, no. His <laughs> entire personality. What will he do? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is my prediction.
0: Okay. Okay,
1: solid, solid prediction. I'm excited that we're back to recording because because it just feels like I'm ugh, shaking stuff off right now.
0: Yeah, I agree. I'm excited we're back into it. Might t- it might take us an episode or two to get back in the groove. So <laughs> yeah. But on that note, we will
1: see you all in the future. Let's get going. <laughs> We're back. May have just been a couple seconds for you, but it was four days for us.
0: Not a bad turnaround at all.
1: I I always I always love it whenever we have fewer days than there are episodes. I feel like we've accomplished something, and you know it makes up for the <clears throat> two months that we had <laughs> with, the, with the last one. <laughs>
0: In our defense, we knew we were coming up on like a pretty big hiatus for a second, and we really we really tried to like bang out like two a week at one point.
1: Yeah, we tried to we tried to go bi weekly and we tried to record a whole bunch so that we would have more of a build up. And then my move was just so stressful, I was like, I can't I do not have the energy to edit these. (laughs) I blame our shortened time this time on um, how much I was excited to talk about this one. (laughs) We talked very little over text about this one, so I'm not entirely sure what your opinion is on it, but I will go ahead and tell you that at at this current moment in time, this one broke my top five.
0: What? I love this one. Really? (laughs) Yes. Mm, Interesting. (laughs) I had almost the exact opposite experience of you then. Oh okay. oh okay. Okay. Uh, my first impressions are I fucking love the first episode. The first episode's great and every episode after that is gradually worse. <laughs> until it is outright hilariously bad. Okay. Okay. It might actually be in my bottom
1: five. Really? Yeah. Oh, this is good. This is going to be a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see who can convince who.
0: <laughs> Crack the knuckles.
1: okay well man then let's let's not waste any time let's go right into it let's
0: go right into it let's start on a high note well i mean general general thoughts though like yeah i mean those are my general thoughts the first episode is like so good i can't even stand it i think maybe that says like i was really hyped up by how good the first episode was I was very perturbed by the weirdness of the rest of the episode. <laughs> I
1: loved the weirdness. I thought it was so fucking bizarre, and they took so many goddamn risks, and it was so not what we're used to that I fucking loved every second of it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, oh, oh, okay, we'll also go on with the caveat. I do not like like of the four literary classics they refer to in this.
1: Yeah, the stuff they chose was really weird.
0: But we'll, we'll, we'll get into that because people are probably yeah, like we'll, literary classics. What are they talking
1: about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so let us let, let's let's go into it. Yeah, let's, let's just
0: good. dive into it with episode one. With the island being consumed by lava, Jimmy eggs the Doctor on to get the TARDIS to leave. However, something isn't working right, and the TARDIS won't dematerialize. Zoe asks if there is any backup power. But the doctor does not want to consider that option because it will pull them out of the time and space dimension. Jamie presses some buttons on the TARDIS and does it anyway, and they appear to dematerialize into a blank space. The doctor heads to the back to work on fixing the TARDIS, and Jamie and Zoe see images of their separate homes on the scanner. While no one is looking, Zoe slips out of the TARDIS and vanishes. When the doctor and Jamie can't find her, Jamie rushes off as well. In the blank space, the two are hopelessly lost and captured by robots. The doctor is able to lead them back to the TARDIS with his mind, but some force does not want them to leave. The force causes the doctor to pass out, and the episode ends with the TARDIS exploding. Hell of a cliffhanger. Okay, and and like, on that note, amazing cliffhanger. Like, you just see the TARDIS, like, burst in, like, a dozen different directions. And I was like, oh, shit! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was like, damn, really? really, This first episode? mm, Chef's kiss. It's phenomenal. I have actually literally no complaints.
1: <laughs> no it's 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 really really good. you're gonna oh man, you're gonna love this so I'm gonna go ahead and dip into trivia here a little bit. So you know how the dominators was originally six episodes but then they pushed it down to five
0: mm-hmm
1: this was be and some suits thought this would be a good idea. This was originally four episodes and so they extended it to five. So that they would have the same amount of episodes in the season. So this this first episode, if this first episode feels like it's very disconnected from the rest, that's because it is. Because it was thrown together at like the last possible fucking second. You'll notice that the only sets they use are the TARDIS that they already have and just a big empty white room. Yep. And the only props, the new props they have, i.e. the robots they encounter, are robots that they meet that They already had commissioned that actually were were used in a different BBC production that they then just repainted and then used in this. Interesting. It's really funny because the DVD also had the the making of like an interview with all the behind the scenes people and uh and the living actors and stuff. And um, this was so last minute. Patrick Troughton was furious. He was like, "You can't, you can't just do this." You can't just throw a script at us the day before and expect us to dance like monkeys. We're, this isn't the beginning of the season. This isn't the beginning of the series. We've been working for weeks upon weeks upon weeks and you want us to just like that? No. Pay us more. Like he demanded, pay us more if you're going to do this. And um, they were like, well, we can't really do that. It's in the budget. And he's like, okay, then cut the then cut this episode. And they were like, well, we can't really do that either. And he said, then, then we're going on strike. We, we, we can't do this. This is absolutely unacceptable. And so they compromised. And if you'll notice, I'm sure you probably did notice this. All of the episodes in this story are much shorter than they normally are. Like, it's usually about 23 minutes. Each episode here is 18. Like, that was the compromise. That's the the compromise they came to, is that each individual episode was trimmed down to be a lot shorter than it was supposed to be.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So funny, because I saw, like, everything's 18 minutes long, and I was like, this is how long these fucking episodes need to be. All of them should be five minutes shorter.
1: Honestly, yes. I I completely agree. (laughs) Going back to, you know, what happens in the actual episode, at the at the very top when they're trying to escape from the from the lava and uh the doctor asks Zoe to read off one of the one of the um the scanners and she says uh it's almost reached the uh 1000 danger mark and I was like oh no not the not the 1000 danger mark that that sure is a a big number that, it's a big up. number right i can't i i'm not,
0: I'm not entirely sure <laughs> That's a that's a scary number. I think it's got a comma and everything. <laughs> the begins uh, that trivia you told me is interesting because this is objectively the best episode. Yes, it is wildly disconnected from everything else that happens in this story, but mm-hmm. this is the best episode of the whole arc.
1: There was a lot of behind the scenes stuff going on in this story where it was just. You know those productions you've been in where it seems like everything that can go wrong is going wrong that, was one of those. Damn. Is that. <laughs> and they Damn. just like had they had to come up with the really creative last minute cheap solutions to the problems that they were that they were coming across, which um you'll notice a pretty big one I think in this next episode episode two, and then another one. Ah, uh, no, we haven't gotten to the unicorn yet. Never mind.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, we got a while. Let's talk about the first thing that happens. So, like, they kind of bully the Doctor and being like, hey, like, let's leave now. And he's like, oh, just give me time. We're safe in the TARDIS. And then Jamie basically bullies him the leaving uh, and using the emergency power that t- tears them out of time and space. And they're like, we seem to be in the middle of nowhere. And the first thing I thought was, you know, in the episode of SpongeBob, when... Uh, Squidward discovers the, uh, time machine that goes to the past and the future, and they fight over it, and it breaks, and it takes them into that white space, where it goes, Hello <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what, that's what this place is. Imagine that viewer, who I know is also versed in Spongebob.
1: Man, if this podcast doesn't make a Futurama reference, it makes a Spongebob reference, doesn't it?
0: Yep. I would define
1: it more as, since everyone here is very well versed in Dragon Ball Z lore, Imagine you went into the hyperbolic time chamber and just kept walking until you couldn't see the the one building anymore. Like that's where they're at.
0: <laughs> no, nah, it's more like SpongeBob. <laughs> <laughs> the second thought I had was like once they're there, uh Jamie is like, We should go change clothes. And then he puts oh, yeah. on this very suave black turtleneck.
1: Yeah, I was thinking that too. I thought he looked sharp.
0: Yeah, I know. Like you can see like his biceps, like how uh, his like pecs, I'm like Jamie's kind (laughs) of hot.
1: He's wearing like a a solid black turtleneck and like a really nice kilt. Like I was like, Jamie looks good.
0: (laughs) And then Zoe comes out like, Zoe, what the fuck are you wearing?
1: Yeah. My note is, Oh, thank God. She's finally out of that weird lingerie and she's changed into a full body roller rink cat suit, disco suit covered in glitter. (laughs) Can you change back to the weird skirt thing?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it yeah, it was weird. it's weird. One of the things that was actually said in that behind the scenes thing, they uh interviewed the act uh, Wendy Padbury, and um she said that she actually really enjoyed wearing that costume because it was like really easy to move around in and was super comfortable and it felt like she was wearing nothing at all,
0: nothing at <laughs> all,
1: nothing at all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well good for her i'm glad she was comfortable in it i feel like the producers are trying to make us horny for zoe and it makes me feel weird instead
1: yeah yeah no i don't know what it is i also got that i also got that vibe it feels like we're supposed to be horny for zoe and she looks like she's 12 yeah <laughs> she sure does and then uh the scanner starts showing them things that's not there and it starts showing the the Scottish Highlands with bagpipes playing in the background, and my note is he's Scottish, you know.
0: It superimposes Jamie over, it and he's like almost crying, and <laughs> yeah, I laughed. And as soon as the bagpipe music started playing, <laughs>
1: I just wanted to involuntarily start starting saluting, and
0: I didn't know why.
1: <laughs> I have two different notes, both very similar. I'm not sure specifically when it happens, but I can. Have it, but I have a guess. Oh no, I I know what happens. So I have the note of Zoe you stupid. She knows that the that there's an illusion being placed on the on the prompter showing her something that's not there. Like that has been explained to her. She knows that. And then she sees her home city again and she's like, "Oh, well, it's definitely real this time." Then she opens the door and runs out. Yeah. Uh then the doctor is like, "Ah, crap, we have no idea what's out there. She's not allowed to go out there." And Jamie's like, "Don't worry, I'll go get her." And he runs out. <laughs> And so my note after th- my note my note after that is Jamie, you also stupid. The
0: thing is, is I can believe Jamie doing it. Zoe's yeah. supposed to be smart.
1: Zoe's supposed to be smart, but there's a lot of evidence over the course of this story that implies that she is not. Yep. This episode did nothing for me in terms of zoe i i think i dislike her even more than i did before now
0: (laughs) yeah i'm kind of there with you like i was kind of like middling on her the dominators won't lie like she just i was just unimpressed by her but she actively annoyed me this episode yes yes especially when we get to the susan level screams good god i feel like she was like can you scream like susan and she went oh i can scream better than susan (laughs) yeah my
1: next note is jesus that was a scream i don't know specifically when it happened but she definitely lets out an ear splitter
0: there's one point where like so they're out there and like they're attacked by these robots that are trying to like hypnotize or brainwash them or something and they see like this like kind of like window in reality i guess and like they're it's they see them in the window dressed in white and they're all like waving creepily and like telling them to come forward. And then she screams out of like nowhere. She's not even on screen screaming. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Jesus. And then she does it again when the TARDIS blows up. Like you see the console like swirling in darkness. And she's like, there's the doctor. And then totally unmotivated turns to the side and shrieks
1: Yeah. No, it's not just that she she screams. It's that her screams are unprompted. Yeah. They're just kind of thrown in, and I'm like, at least have something scary. At least I can't believe I'm about to say this. At
0: least Susan saw some eyes move on the wall. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it comes full
0: circle. We're gonna we're gonna go back and rewatch that episode. And Max like actually all my complaints about this episode are gone.
1: <laughs> no, Marco Polo still sucks. <laughs> so here's here's my thought, Caleb. The villain of this story feels like if the Toymaker and the Great Intelligence teamed up,
0: yeah, I could see that.
1: And I kind of wish that it had been one or both because it it has the vibe of both of them. And I kind of like. It seems like it has the powers of the Great Intelligence and the flair of the Toymaker. And I kind of wished that it was something like that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there was a moment. Um, this is in the next episode, but like when you kind of see the silhouette of the villain. Uh, And he's, like, doing his evil monologue. Uh, I was like, don't let it be the fucking monk. I thought it was the monk, too. (laughs) I thought it was the monk. (laughs) Please don't bring him back.
1: Yeah, no, I thought it was the monk. Like, like he definitely (laughs) had that kind of air about him, and there was something about his voice and like he seemed very familiar with the doctor like he had a grudge against him like it definitely
0: felt like the monk yeah and then uh we'll talk about when we actually see him but when i saw him the first time i thought he was another character too but we'll get to that i really don't have any other notes on this episode other than like damn it ends on like the craziest cliffhanger of, of the show uh,
1: uh, yeah at a certain point i was like man a lot of a lot of time has gone by without me making any notes but it's not but I, I'm just enjoying watching it. This is just really fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, and then there's the there's the part where it it where Jamie and Zoe are clinging to the TARDIS console while it's just spinning in this black void. And again, I don't know why the show is like trying trying to make us horny for Zoe, but she's just like in a Vogue pose, like over the console
0: mm-hmm.
1: with just like her ass just like right dead center of the of the shot
0: and that i have a couple of times in this arc
1: yeah and and they even mentioned that in the behind the scenes thing fraser hines is like yeah no it didn't matter what we were doing on the on the console we could have been we could have been saying the entire works of shakespeare while we were clearing to that while we were clinging to that thing no one was fucking paying attention to a single word we were saying <laughs> not with not with her right there <laughs> <laughs>
0: But yeah, but that's all I've got. Oh, Jamie has a dream about a unicorn that becomes relevant in the next episode. So,
1: yes. Just just to really drive home just how much they were hurting <laughs> while making this one. Everything that could go wrong went wrong and um uh the director David Maloney was reassured, "Don't worry. We've got a horse. We've got a horse for, to to be the unicorn." And he's like, "Oh, great. Thanks." And like all the scenes where the hor- where the unicorn is there, it's going to be in a black background like they had it all set up and they brought they brought the horse there and they like let it out of the out of its um, out of its cage and it was fucking brown. <laughs> and he was like, God damn it. <laughs> so like the makeup department just took all of the white makeup they could find and it only like covered up like half of the horse. <laughs> and so they were like, all right. Is there any paint that we can use? So they painted the rest of the horse. I'm assuming this was done before certain laws got
0: passed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Fuck horses. Who cares? We gotta make those movies, baby. (laughs) But yes. Okay. Now move on to episode two. That's all I've got. Now it's on to an objectively worse episode, in my opinion. Uh, Every episode from here goes downhill. I'm gonna warn you. Do not believe a word Max says. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Episode two. Jamie is turned into cardboard, and Zoe falls into a trap, all while a mysterious man watches on a series of televisions. The doctor wakes up and hears his companions calling for him, but decides to go after Jamie. After solving some riddles and talking to some 17th century Englishman, the doctor must reassemble Jamie's face on a wax mannequin. However, he does it wrong, and we have to deal with some dollar store ass Jamie for half the episode. The two solve another riddle and find Zoe trapped in a big jar. They encounter the Englishman again, and he accidentally gives them away to these weird nutcracker robots. The robots lead them into a blank space, and they are encountered by the most frightening foe of all, a unicorn. My first
1: note is just, like, I like this story so far, because it just feels like they're doing a whole bunch of experimental stuff like they wouldn't normally be able to get away with. Like, the setting is just... It almost feels like the setting doesn't really exist, because it's like the space between space. It's where ideas go to thrive it's where fantasy is real so they can get away with literally anything they get away with using other fictional characters they get away with using bizarre toy soldiers they get away with using with them being in a, a forest made of letters and because this is a world in which they can pretty much do whatever they want if For example, one of your actors, ooh, I don't know, comes down with chicken pox, (laughs) it wouldn't be completely out of the realm of possibility where a redcoat would shoot him and turn him into a cardboard cutout and this Toymaker-esque character who just wants to play with the doctor, is making him play this game, see, ah, let's see how much you actually know your friends, and having to reconstruct his face, and then the doctor getting it wrong. And thus, a different man plays the role of Jamie, just for a little bit, until, oh, I don't know, let's say, for example, a week or two passes when an average man would get over chicken pox.
0: (laughs) 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 Purely hypothetical, though. Just
1: purely hypothetical (laughs) (laughs) the actor's name is hamish wilson and i actually thought he did a very good job of playing jamie
0: yeah he was fine
1: i i thought um i thought he did a good job of like capturing the the physicality of fraser Hines jamie it felt like jamie was there just with a different face and they did have to call him in, like, ridiculously short notice. Like, he was reciting lines right before they said action. Dang. I've also been in that production. But luckily, he was actually a fan of the show and was familiar with the role, so it wasn't that difficult for him to, to slip into that role.
0: Tis the life of, the, of a thespian. <laughs> Ain't it just. This episode is fine. I actually enjoyed this episode mostly because I I liked the bizarroness of it. I enjoyed so, I I enjoyed, um- jamie just suddenly becoming a piece of cardboard i kind of like the premise of him have to, of the doctor trying to reconstruct his face and then getting it flagrantly wrong
1: yeah no he like started with the eyes he put the eyes up and was like in what world is that jamie's eyes come on man
0: <laughs> come on come on i can't doctor.
1: i can't be the only one who's stared longingly into those baby blues come on <laughs>
0: It does kind of drag a little bit though, because like the doctor is like meeting all these like weird people. So he meets the uh, Englishman, who and who he is gets revealed later. He runs into a bunch of street urchins, basically. I don't know who they were
1: supposed to be. That I feel like they're the creepy children that you always have singing um, uh, "London Bridge." Any anytime someone has "London Bridge" playing in the background,
0: <laughs> I'm kind of. I feel like they were supposed to be like Oliver Twist or something. Maybe if they
1: are, if they are. That was not made clear. All
0: right. They're the stereotypical British street urchins you see in everything. So Yeah. And then the robot, the cool robots, air quotes, cool robots from the first episode are replaced by nutcracker robots because reasons. They could be from the the nutcracker. <laughs> they, they could be from the nutcracker.
1: You'll, you guys don't understand what we're talking about here in a second, but... I mean, I love the nutcracker, so I... I I saw them and I thought they were cool, <laughs> but that's <is> just me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is just you, Mac. Uh, I saw I saw like these nutcracker things. And I was like, "What the fuck? What the fuck?" Uh, but but it was a cool. What the fuck at first, and then as the episodes went on, it just turned into actual. What the fuck? What the fuck is happening right now?
1: Apparently, uh, Fraser Hines' cousin played one of the soldiers, and he had they had to like. Lift the actors up In order to put them into the legs Because the legs cannot could not bend At all so they were basically just like Trapped from the waist down <laughs> They had to be lifted back up when they were out of costume That's great It's really weird that Jamie doesn't know what a unicorn is Because here's a fun fact So Jamie is from the 18th century And in the 12th century The unicorn was named The National Animal of Scotland Hmm so it just seems weird that Jamie didn't recognize his own country's national animal. I,
0: I, I mean, I guess counterpoint, I don't think I know like the national animal or the state Indiana uh, the state animal of Indiana.
1: Okay, but counter counterpoint, Jamie is the most Scottish Scotsman who's ever scotched. Mm-hmm, <laughs> good point. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not the best
0: Hoosier around. It's true. <laughs>
1: My last note is Caleb's recaps are going to sound like mad rambling. <laughs> and that you can summarize this entire story with one sentence as Doctor Who in Wonderland.
0: Yeah, basically, it was all a dream. <laughs> Ooh, woo, 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 woo. Thank God it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it it's something, that's for sure. Um, the only other really note I have is... I like the idea of the doctor solving riddles. I don't like the fact that they're solved with things I can't see. What do you mean? So, after we, after he finds the cardboard cutout of Jamie. Also, we have to note that, like, Jamie and Zoe are calling for help at the same time, but in two different directions. And the doctor makes it very clear that he's choosing Jamie. Yes.
1: <laughs> I think he says something, some bullshit line about, you sound closer, I'm going to go to you first. Yeah. But, uh... No, he's playing favorites. <laughs> yeah.
0: So fun fact, headcanon. The doctor definitely likes Jamie more. But he goes to find Jamie and then he finds like a safe and like a well and he's trying to figure out what's going on. He's like, oh wait, that thing over there off screen forms an H and that over there kinda looks like a C. And if I yeah. do all this it the it's saying this message of Jamie is safe and well. I was like, Wow, Doctor, I wish I fucking knew what you were talking about
1: yeah yeah he just got like a flash of an image that comes up on screen for a second but we don't actually like yeah that that, that one is a little weird
0: so yeah so someday i would like to see the dr solve riddles and i feel like i'm solving it with him rather than him just telling me he figured out the riddle i didn't know was there
1: yeah i can think of one specific episode in new who where that happens
0: <laughs> great v- very very high hopes for the riddles in new who then <laughs> <laughs> That thing I really want to happen, maybe once.
1: I'm not saying it doesn't happen in Classic Who. I'm saying I don't remember it happening in Classic Who. (laughs)
0: And it only happens once in New Who. I'm not
1: saying that either. Shut the fuck up, Caleb.
0: (laughs) All right, I'm reading the next episode. Do what you want. I don't care. (laughs) Episode three, the unicorn charges, but the doctor convinces his companions to hold their ground. When he convinces them it isn't real, the Unicorn turns to Cardboard. Jamie is then turned back into Cardboard when they are attacked. The Doctor and Zoe find a house where everything seems to be prepared for their arrival. Someone has obviously been expecting them. They make their way through a maze and encounter the Minotaur, but defeat it when they convince themselves it's not real. They meet the 17th century man again, and it turns out he is Gulliver from Gulliver's Travels. Jamie climbs up Rapunzel's hair and ends up in some sort of command tower, Where he reads Zoe and the Doctor's story as it happens. The Doctor and Zoe encounter Medusa, and the Doctor tries to convince Zoe she isn't real like the others. But Zoe is having a hard time believing. For some reason. For some reason. (laughs) This episode very... drags a lot because it's very repetitive it's them being like oh dramatic tension and he's like close your eyes it's not real and then it turns out not to be real and the threat is dismissed yeah five minutes later there's some other crazy fantastical thing and it's like no close your eyes it's not real yeah no that 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 is a fair criticism and then zoe and and then they meet medusa at the end you know this because i read the description they meet Medusa at the end, and the doctor is like, "Don't look at her. Just say, just say she's not real." And Zoe's like, "No, I can't. She's real. She's right there." I was like, Zoe, what the fuck? You've literally done it twice already."
1: Yeah, no that that was the moment I was like, "Okay, I don't think I like you anymore." <laughs> <laughs> the very top is when they're um, being charged at by the unicorn, and um, he's telling them to say that say that they. That he's not real. That it doesn't exist. <laughs> and I have the note of, you don't believe in fairies, don't, don't you? Well, don't clap your hands if you don't believe. <laughs> <laughs> and then later, they meet another red coat, and Jamie gets shot again and turned back into cardboard. And uh, this time, with Zoe's help, the doctor is able to reconstruct his face. And I just have the note of, thanks, Hamish, you can go now.
0: <laughs> Bye, Hamish. You're- your services are no longer needed. I texted Mac during the la- the episode two when I was watching. I was like, who's this dollar store ass Jamie? <laughs> yeah. Mom, I want Jamie. We have Jamie at home. The Jamie at
1: home. <laughs> <laughs> then I make the note of the fact that most of these things can just be defeated by just not believing in it. Seems like a pretty easy win. So why isn't it? <laughs>
0: So why why isn't it when they go to uh, go to face the big baddie that like this is me this is what I want? Why didn't the doctor go? I don't think that's real. And then the villain just stops existing. This is how the world is. No, it's not. Well,
1: <laughs> back to the TARDIS. <laughs> well, all in a day's when... <laughs> work. I think it's actually you're. I can tell by the tone of tone of voice in your recap that you're going to disagree with me on this i think it's fucking brilliant like a brilliant limitation from a writing perspective that they you that the character of gulliver could only speak lines from gulliver's travels
0: that's fine i guess i
1: think that was really clever and i thought that would have been really fun
0: to write i'm mad that it was gulliver at all why why <laughs> I, I i don't know tonally speaking The first episode is very different than the rest of the art. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll put it like this. The first episode of this has first episode of Edge of Destruction vibes. Yes, very much so. Where it's like really intensely ominous and it's fucking awesome. And this story is more like whimsical. Yes. So I'm in it, I'm like, okay, like it's weird. It's Doctor Who. It has weird tonal shifts all the time. And then we just never got back to the crazy existential horror (laughs) um that was in the first episode. So, I think I'm just very salty about that.
1: The first episode definitely feels very disconnected from the from the rest of the story. I'll give you that. But I'm a big fan of, you know, whimsy and like fun adventures and you know what this episode reminded me of a lot and it and the fact that it didn't really live up to this potential is kind of disappointing. You want to know what this episode or this story reminded me
0: of? the imagination land arc from south park <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah actually it's that exactly <laughs> That's exactly what it is but instead of being like by humorous american cartoonists it's by cringe british writers
1: yeah and you know gulliver gulliver from gulliver's travels was an odd choice but i'm not entirely sure why it is you seem upset that it was gulliver from gulliver's travels
0: uh, uh again it's really just the fact that I thought I was gonna get some weird, like, vaguely sci-fi horror, and I got like Alice in Wonderland style story. So, like, yeah. when then he's like, "I'm Gulliver from Gulliver's Travels," and not like an 18th century Englishman who's also been trapped here for who knows how long. Hmm. Uh, okay, like, I'm Gulliver from Gulliver's Travels. It's like, God, fucking, damn it.
1: <laughs> yeah, but you knew from you knew from like the word go. Like the moment this guy comes on screen, he says things. To quote Yahtzee in his review of Silent Hill 2, he's reacting to things as if he's not quite seeing the same things you are. Yeah. All all of his lines kind of work as response to whatever the Doctor or Jamie or Zoe says to him, but it doesn't quite line up. He has a very strange manner of speaking. So right from the get-go, you knew there was something
0: up with this guy. Yeah, I know. Because I was watching I was like, "Eh." what he's saying doesn't really make any sense. But I, I didn't. I instead be like, "Hmm, that sounds like a line from Gulliver's Travels." Never read Gulliver's Travels. Neither have I. I don't like stories that require me to know other things to appreciate them. Yes,
1: I would agree with that on the most part. But at the same time, I feel like most of the fictional characters that were chosen were kind of. Universal stories that even if you have, like, I don't know anything about Gulliver's Travels, but I know of the image of like the man getting tied down by a bunch of little people. Like, I'm aware of the tone of Gulliver's Travels. I know,
0: I know of it. I guess all all my cultural reference for Gulliver's Travels is from The Page Master. I've never seen Page Master. (laughs) Oh my! Fuck you, Mac. Fuck you, so (laughs) I hate you so much. Really? That one? That one's gonna get to you? Listen, I probably watched Pagemaster every week of my childhood for like four years. And yet, of all the times I went over to your house, you never made me watch Pagemaster. Do not let this motherfucker convince you that he came to my house more than like twice the entire time we grew up.
1: Excuse you, I was over <laughs> at your
0: house all the goddamn time. I, I I went to Mac's house.
1: You were over at my house a lot, more, more than I was over at yours, but... I was still over at your house a lot, Caleb.
0: <laughs> don't let this motherfucker convince you that I was only over there like twice. <laughs> no, listen, listen. I'm not, I'm not going to let Matt gaslight you guys like this. I'm <laughs> real. I'm going to tell you the truth. <laughs> yeah, whatever. All that to say, I didn't care for it. Man, maybe I'm just not humorous. Maybe I don't like whimsy. No, apparently not. I love whimsy, so I like this episode. Maybe that's why I struggle with a lot of Doctor Who, uh, because like everything happens in Doctor Who, I'm like, why don't they just murder them?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that on that note, though, at one point Jamie is running away from the toy soldiers, and he's like, the toy soldiers like coming at him with his with his musket with his bayonet, and he just like keeps advancing on him as Jamie's running away. I'm like, so does that gun not work, or? Are you out of ammo, so you have to stab him, or
0: what's 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 the deal, guys? <laughs> He's a big, dumb nutcracker, Mac. It's made out of wood. You know what? Good point. <laughs> so, uh, for, so in this episode, I liked the second episode because it was just very weird. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then as it became more apparent in this episode and in later episodes that, like, it's all these fictional things come to life, it, it just became more of, what the fuck? What the fuck? And every time something happened, that's what I said. I was like, what the fuck? Particularly when Jamie's like, oh, look at this rope. I can use that to climb into the Citadel. And he climbs up, and this girl pops on there. She's like, that's my hair, you know? I'm like, what the fuck? What is going on? And not in a good way. I don't know what to tell you, Caleb. <laughs> because
1: I think it. I think the fact that they are in a world that is nothing but creations from the minds of humans the fact that suddenly a rope appears when jamie needs it makes sense to me
0: the issue is not the rope the issue is rapunzel
1: <laughs> well again it is a world that is entirely populated by fictional characters so when you think of someone climbing up a rope to go up a 90 degree angle i can either think of rapunzel or Or a bunch of stuff that hadn't come out yet because it was (laughs) nineteen (laughs) sixty eight.
0: The the point is and also like it's starting to become clear in this episode that it's people's fictional ideas that are coming to life. It has not entirely been stated yet. So I think my reaction of what the fuck is going on? Is actually pseudo-intentional. Like, I think they wanted people to be like, what the hell is happening in this episode? And then in the next episode, they're like, oh, it's because all the fiction stuff comes to life.
1: So, just out of curiosity, Caleb, when you're watching a murder mystery, do you also get mad when they don't tell you who the murderer is at the very beginning?
0: <laughs> no, Mac. I'm t- <laughs> You're misunderstanding what I'm saying. I'm saying that the reaction of... I'm very confused by what's going on. I'm very confused by the fact that Rapunzel's in this story and this. Because the reveal has not been revealed yet of... And also, you're comparing like a, air quotes, realist style story with, I don't know, this bizarro weird shit. <laughs> also, I'm a fan of Columbo. That's true. Uh, that's that true. Mo- I will admit the the
1: moment that I, that started coming out of my mouth, I was like, "That's what that's what Columbo is." No, no wonder <laughs> Caleb's the way he is. Now I get it. <laughs> something. I really liked was uh, when Jamie is climbing up Rapunzel's hair, and then he gets to the he gets to the window, and then she invites him in. He like climbs through, and suddenly she's not there, and they're no longer at her castle now he's like behind the scenes a little Mm -hmm. bit and it's a lot more sci-fi and he's like okay what where the fuck am i i thought that was a really cool transition
0: yeah i agree i like that so again i don't really have any issues with the premise Uh, maybe it's more like an execution thing like i don't like the way it was done but also because i don't like whimsy (laughs) because at a certain point once i realized oh if i just imagine things they become real i would have imagined like a machine gun
1: (laughs) I really want to give you the game scribble knots. <laughs> and I want to just see what you do. Just like solve every single
0: puzzle with just a Glock. Which is <laughs> violent. <laughs> I was like, oh man, I need, to co- I need to find a way to get over this wall. And I'm like, you mean through the wall?
1: <laughs> anyway, uh, that we went on a lot of tangents because I don't really have a whole lot else to say. My last note is Zoe is so fucking stupid. She literally just has to say Medusa doesn't
0: exist something she knows is true and has already defeated two other things with
1: yes and the fact that she looked at it first she's like but no she's she's right over there i can i can see i i saw her she's i can hear her i'm like you also saw and heard the unicorn zoe what the fuck is your point
0: zoe's relentlessly frustrating i want veronica back who the fuck's veronica oh oh, victoria (laughs) what am i talking about i don't know what are you talking about (laughs) uh this alternate reality where everything uh, every imagined thing is real so there is (laughs) there is a companion Veronica actually yeah sure why not (laughs) I'm reading episode four now go for it the doctor and Zoe beat Medusa by looking in a mirror you know like the story do you get it yet the story machine Jamie reads appears to break after this the tower goes on lockdown and Jamie hides in a closet while Gulliver stands guard the Doctor and Zoe face the carcass, the dorkiest superhero ever, and Zoe kicks his ass. Afterwards, they arrive in the Citadel and meet Jamie. He shows the Doctor the ticker machine, and he realizes someone is trying to make them a fiction story. The robots come, and the Doctor stays so he can be caught and hopefully brought to their master. They do exactly that, and they meet some writer dude from the 1920s. He has a plug in his brain connected to a big computer. The big twist is this guy has been creating all these imaginative things, but now it's the doctor's turn to take his place. Zoe and Jamie run away, but they are crushed inside a book. The only way to free them is to take the master's place.
1: Okay, so, continuing the topic of Zoe being stupid, the doctor is like, okay, fine, if you, for whatever fucking reason, uh, won't say out loud that Medusa isn't real, at the very least we need to play by Medusa rules, so don't look at her. And she's like, I have to. I have to open my eyes. I have to. I'm like, no, you fucking don't. What are you talking about? Literally, just keep your eyes shut, you dumb bent. Why?
0: (laughs) Zoe is the worst. She's the worst. (laughs) And then, again, the
1: doctor's like, okay, fine. Apparently, we're playing this game. So, and I kind of like that it was established. this This is Chekhov's mirror. When he switched up Jamie's face, he was like, no, you look a completely different. Look and he like takes out a mirror from his pocket and then Jamie looks at it and is like, "What? That's not my face." And then he uses that mirror again when they change it back. And so it's already been established that he has that mirror on him. So it's like, "All right, all right, we're doing we're doing the we're doing the these is, was it Theseus or Perseus who killed him? Killed Medusa. We're doing the Greek legend.
0: <laughs> we're we're, do, we're doing we're doing the Greek thing. <laughs> Here, just look into my sonic mirror.
1: (laughs) My next note is, who the fuck is the carcass? And then then the sub-note is, oh, he's like a fictional, fictional character. Okay. Like, he's fictional even. He's just a made-up comic book character that Zoe read when she was younger.
0: And dude, this whole sequence is so fucking absurdly terrible. It's hilarious and amazing. It
1: really is. And you want to know... Who thinks it's the most fucking ridiculous and the stupidest goddamn thing ever? The guy who played the carcass? Wendy Padbury. She was like, this is so... Why did I win? Why did I win that fight? This is
0: so... (laughs) Because she believed that she was stronger. That's the logic of the world, Meg. You just gotta believe it. It's so hard to understand?
1: If that were said, I'd buy it. But (laughs) we've established that Zoe is apparently unable to keep her eyes closed when against a medusa so she didn't even have a moment where she
0: like went i know kung fu (laughs) (laughs) man wouldn't that be great she's wearing the outfit and everything but now there's so many great points about this part so they introduced the carcass and the the instinct is who the fuck is that (laughs) This guy is wearing this, like, big bodysuit with, like, the outline of the pecs drawn on the suit. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know. It's It looks horrible. And it's amazing. <laughs> and then he pulls out this molecular ionizing ray gun. Um And the way it, like, frames it in the shot, it's got this big, like, as seen on episode 102. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The best part. The chef's kiss of it, though, is... The doctor going, that's not a fucking real thing. And then the gun disappears. <laughs> Again, why wasn't this all solved in
1: four minutes? <laughs> but but it's funny because then it's a, it's a really stupid role reversal where Zoe's like, oh, yeah, no, he's not real. He's from a comic that I read when I was a kid. Doctor, just say he's not real. And doctor's like, I have no idea... Who the
0: fuck the carcass is? I don't know if he's real or not. (laughs) Doctor, that's the dumbest logic I've heard all day. You're making Zoe sound smarter than you. Yeah.
1: One, Doctor, that's really fucking stupid.
0: Clearly he's
1: fictional, otherwise he wouldn't be here. Two, Zoe, where the fuck was this when you were going up against the
0: Medusa? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ah! Ah! Again, it was a terrible sequence, but it was so bad, it was hilarious. I had a hearty laugh the whole time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but one of the things that uh, Wendy Padbury was very frustrated by was um, that they did one brief rehearsal of the Zoe carcass fight. She was like, okay, we basically just got the blocking down, but that was about it. And then that was the only rehearsal they got. Then the next day was filming. They did the fight, and she was like, oh, that was awful. That was absolutely awful. Like he was, that that wasn't even a fight. Can we do it again? And <clears throat> they were like, no, we don't have time. Moving on. She's like, okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, God.
1: Based entirely on that story, I'm like, she probably has a, a theater background, I'm guessing.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, we got to get to what I think is my main contention, probably why I I'm just actively mad at the story at this point. So the Doctor and Zoe get into the citadel, they meet Joe oh, they meet Joey. They meet Jamie <laughs> and he shows them like this ticker thing that's kinda of, like telling the story of the Doctor and Zoe as it's happening until it derails when he's not killed by the Medusa. And then the doctor says something along the lines of he's like, now if you write the past that's like news reporting or something. <laughs> he's like, but if you write the f- if you write the present before it happens that's fiction i was like no it's not <laughs> like not not even a little actually it, it would actually be more of fiction of if he wrote it and then you actually literally did nothing even close to that
1: yeah i think what he was what he was trying to say was that if you write ourselves into the story and then that happens then we become part of the story we become part of the fiction
0: i and I, I understand what he's trying to say i'm just being really nitpicky for some reason <laughs> <in> this episode <laughs>
1: And I just realized why the villain wasn't defeated in four minutes. I mean, like, I understand why individual enemies they had to fight could have been killed in less than a minute. But, I mean, the villain that we're fighting here is a kidnapped author who's being taken over by the by the uh, the big brain from Futurama, basically. Basically, I thought that too. <laughs> and uh, so it's not just them saying... This thing doesn't exist. It's also him saying, "Yes, it does." So it's kind of like unstoppable force and immovable object. They, they're kind of out, out fictioning each other, which
0: oh comes gonna... up more
1: in the next episode. Yeah, oh they're, gonna, they're really out each other next episode. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I kind of really like how again, it definitely it has a very great intelligence kind of feel to it because it's just this innocent man. Who's just being controlled by this godlike entity who needs him just so that he can write shit down? I think that's really cool. That's kind of it. I was gonna say they didn't really go anywhere with it, but I think they kind of did.
0: I I, th- I think my big quibble really is like, yeah, you could, you you could, you could absolutely be like some sort of Lovecraftian intelligence that uses creative minds to like create your own little puppet creative world. But why? Why would you do that? And I think that's why I'm not clear. I was like, why is, why is any of this happening? Because the big brain
1: is stuck in this endless void, the space between space where there is literally nothing. And he's really, really, really fucking bored.
0: I, does it say that though?
1: No, but like, I'm just putting myself in, in the shoes of this otherworldly being and I'm like, yeah, no, I get it. I'd do the same. <laughs> Be like, I need someone to bring me a TV, and uh, if I could bum off your Netflix uh, subscription, I'd
0: really appreciate it. <laughs> so he's less like the big brain on Futurama and more like the uh, big gas clown thing. That's a fan of Star Trek. Yes, there you go. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. God, we're gonna do. A, we have to do a Futurama podcast at some point. <laughs> We're already doing one really. I really,
1: really like this I really like this story, Caleb, because it's it just kind of has this meta narrative twist where like these fictional characters who are fictional because we are watching them, are rebelling against this author and asserting that they are not fictional that they are the one real thing but like we are watching a television show about these characters so like they are fictional so it just has this meta narrative of characters fighting the author and i've always thought that was
0: really cool
1: anytime that comes up in media
0: <laughs> this is also probably something where mac and i really diverge mac are you a fan of what's it called seven actors in search of a play is that what it's called uh
1: seven characters in search of an author i don't know first instinct is saying yes uh because we put on a production of it my freshman year of college in fact it was no it might have been the very first show that i saw at ball state but i found out later that what was put on was more of an adaptation of it rather than an actual production of it
0: i see it's similar like it's a very like hyper meta thing yes i don't really like it i'm a dumb stupid man uh <laughs> and there's three things in all of existence i don't like and only three. Oh yes <laughs> books about writers plays about theater people and movies about movies
1: <laughs> that's fair i get i i definitely understand that because it just it definitely feels like uh, a writer not knowing what to write about so he's looking around the room trying to come up with an idea and then he sees his pencil and paper right in front of him and says hey, I just thought of something. A super original idea. I get that. I
0: understand. I understand the frustration. Uh, there's, there's something like, stories like that also just seem very smug. It's very masturbatory, yes. Yeah, because book like, Books about writers are always like their struggle to write their book or the meaning of words, the power of the stage, the magic of movies. I fucking hate the movie Hugo, Mag.
1: I've never seen the movie
0: Hugo, but it's a waste of time. Uh, Some film buff somewhere is listening to this podcast and he is enraged right now. Hugo sucks. Get over it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm talking to you, Jared. Anyways, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. I don't like stories about stories, so things about fictional characters and vaguely made up meta not a fan i'm too i'm too rough and tumble (laughs) i feel like i had something else to say but i can't remember what it was everything i really have to say about this episode i think requires the next episode to talk about
1: yeah very true that's a good point i'm i'm ready to move on if you are
0: all right episode five the doctor still refuses to help and runs away but finds himself caught up in another story he uses rapunzel's hair to run away Zoe and Jamie lead the Doctor to the TARDIS, but once inside, it's revealed to be a giant glass case trapping him. You thought the episode was dumb now? Wait until you see their mental game of Senior Defuckery fuckery fighting one of the three musketeers. The Mast and the Doctor go back and forth, seeing who can write the cringiest fanfiction, and it turns out the Doctor is indeed the most cringe. They free the writer guy from the computer, and the Doctor uses his last mental thought in the case to order the robots to wreck the place. With the computer destroyed, the companions blink back into reality, and the TARDIS reforms.
1: I, I do really like that the end of um, the last episode was Jamie and Zoe getting trapped in this book and thus becoming part of the the land of fiction. And so based on how 90% of all the cliffhangers in this show go, you're kind of expecting that to just be reversed at the mm-hmm. top of this episode. I like that the villain threatens and, in fact, succeeds in destroying the Doctor's companions and says, now, Doctor, you will give in to my demands. And the Doctor's
0: still like, no. Fuck you. <laughs> 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 yes, I do love the Is like, oh, you thought I cared about my friends more than me? Wrong again. <laughs> I mean, yes, it's definitely that. He definitely doesn't want to be trapped as
1: this as this big brains puppet. But I think also it's more of a the doctor can't really die of old age, so he would just be constant and the big brain would be able to grow more powerful through him rather than just some schmuck from the 1920s.
0: Hmm, which makes more sense, and it actually says that like the the thing is aware that the doctor regenerates, and it can just use him again and again and again and again. And I yes. like that. I like that element. I just wish I knew why the thing was doing this. Uh,
1: my my bet because that's the thing we don't really get much of a chance to talk to the big brain itself. We just talk to this the author through the big brain, mm-hmm. or the big brain through the author, and and the author on his own. So you can really only infer what his real motivations are and i honestly think i hit the nail on the head with the boredom thing
0: oh no i i I totally buy that so i like that i even like when the doctor like runs away and like he's trapped in the story and like there's a bit where he runs in the fiction zoe and jamie again and jamie keeps getting caught on like his next line basically
1: Mm -hmm. i like that Mm -hmm. part
0: i wish there was more of that i wish the whole arc of this episode was kind of like that (laughs) I
1: also kind of wish there was more to it because because, yeah, it was a very kind of creepy scene where they were kind of stuck in this loop of saying the same things over and over again. But how much cooler would have been if they had met up earlier and they were able to keep up the presentation longer, but they're still stuck in the same rules as Gulliver and they can only say lines that was said
0: earlier in this story. Mm hmm. I think uh, I think it would have been a cool twist before if, like, the Doctor went through all this. And that ended up that Zoe and Jamie were part of the story the whole time. Now that's a twist. But then, so the Doctor gets trapped and, like, in this glass case. And now that he's in the case, he can affect the reality of this place. And it goes off the fucking rails almost immediately.
1: Hold on just one second. Before we get to that, he tries to... Um, he's out in the castle and he needs to get down into the lab. And he asks Rapunzel, "Hey, can I use your hair real quick?" And her reaction is basically like, "Sure, fuck it, you can use my hair.
0: Everyone else does." <laughs> <laughs> and hands it to I'm him. I'm not a person or anything. I'm just rope attached to a person. <laughs> and then I have the I have the Futurama quote of,
1: "I will now le- leave the Earth for no reason." <laughs>
0: Which, again, is also basically how this, because, like, the evidence of this happening is, like, they literally feature around with this. It's literally just sending the big brain away. And then
1: it's the doctor versus the author going back and forth, back and forth. And it has all of the air of, well, I use my infinity gun. Yeah,
0: well, I have an infinity-proof shield. nuh no fair. Yeah. <laughs> except rep- except it's them, but also, like, writing fan fiction about Cyrano de Bergerac uh i think also it might be i might have a personal reason i was attached to a production of cyrno de de bergerac i was like one of the uh crew for it and i fucking hate that show (laughs) uh i cannot stand it even a little bit so every time i see this fucking with his big nose i'm like god damn it
1: i kind of want to watch the um version that came out like a couple years ago the one with uh peter dinklage
0: peter dinklage was in a cyrno de bergerac
1: yeah, instead of instead of the nose thing, it's the fact that he was a little person.
0: Oh, oh, okay. That might that might be better. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> it's got Peter Dinklage in it, so I mean Peter Dinklage is good no matter what he's in. So, but yeah, but the the master basically goes, "You know, the rank I choose you." And the doctor's like, "Oh yeah, he's no match for I think the Three Musketeers."
1: Yeah, D'Artagnan. That was it. It's like the fourth musketeer. And they fucking
0: have a big dramatic fight, and then it literally just goes into them changing it in and out.
1: Yeah, they they change out which fictional character they're using to, uh, to fight, and then I make the note of, this is just them playing Fortnite. It's like, <laughs> I bring in Rick from Rick and Morty. Yeah, well, I bring in Goku. <laughs> and then it does the little dance. <laughs> and then I think the doctor switches out D'Artagnan with... Uh, Sir Lancelot he like brings in Sir Lancelot on on his horse and then uh, the author switches out Sereno with with Blackbeard and I'm like but he was a real person that's not <laughs> fiction that's a historical figure
0: <laughs> yeah but I'm talking about the, the version of him in my mind <sighs> Okay. okay <laughs> whatever you say I bring in God <laughs> i bring in the bbc producers who are
1: saying this is getting really expensive i bring in god's older brother who can totally
0: beat him up (laughs) yeah well i bring in two gods (sighs) anyways it goes on entirely too long but then they get out and then the writer like they unplug the writer from the computer and he's like seems to be unaware of what's been going on
1: (laughs) yeah i would have liked him he definitely seems very unaware that he's been plugged into this guy for so long i kind of wish that he had had just a moment of like why am i 40 years older i feel (laughs) like i shouldn't be
0: (laughs) well i was gonna say before in the last episode when it kind of like showed him for a second i was like oh my god is that travers (laughs) it looks just (laughs) like travers (laughs) i was like travers strikes again
1: And then I really, really like how he gives the order to the robots of destroy, destroy the big brain. And um, they they get out of the, the control room and they're basically asking the doctor, okay, what now? And he's like, well, hopefully with the destruction of uh, the master brain, we'll all be able to pop back to our own reality. And then just fingers crossed, I guess, that that's exactly <laughs> what happens. <laughs>
0: Yeah, because I doesn't even Jamie have a line? He's like, well, what if that doesn't work? And he's like, well, I don't know. I guess. I guess we'll die. I guess I'll die. Well, you'll die. I'll just regenerate, probably. And then it stops. Yep. And then it just ends. You see the TARDIS come back together, and then it's like, all right, roll credits. Bye. <laughs> Only two stories in a row where we've fucking done
1: this. This is a recurring thing, because this happened last time. This happened in Wheel in Space when like, we ended on Zoe watching the screen. I really hope that they do not continue this pattern,
0: because this is really shitty endings. Every story is going to end with, did they make it? Ooh, we ordered 14 more episodes, so yes.
1: (laughs) So the answer is yes. I'm going to take another look at my rankings just to make sure. Yes, I, I am keeping it where it is in my rankings. Fuck you, Caleb.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll dive into final thoughts
1: now. Oh, I do I do have a couple of trivia things, I th- I think. Hold on. I think we may have actually, I may have touched on all of them. There's only one. Peter Ling, the writer, really, really, really wanted Zoro to be in it, uh, but they couldn't because of copyright reasons.
0: Damn you, copyright. <laughs> okay, now final thoughts. I'm diving into final thoughts. It's obviously not my top five. I don't think it's in my bottom five, but it's close. Okay, well, I'm
1: putting it in my top five, at least for now. We'll see if it stays there by the time we get to The Doctor is out. But for right now, it is in my top five. I really liked it. I liked it less and less as it went on. (laughs) It's not just because of the behind the scenes things, but like knowing the kind of shit that they had to deal with on this production and how they needed to get around it, I thought was just kind of added to it added to my appreciation for it
0: yeah i can understand that
1: i thought the the meta narrative of fictional characters versus the author was kind of was very interesting zoe is the reason why this episode isn't higher up on my list (laughs) she hasn't been good in any of the episodes but she's especially obnoxious in this one yeah uh well zoe in the ending zoe in the ending are the reasons why it's not higher up on my list i was i was very disappointed in just the snap to credits ending
0: yeah well, that's it for this episode, guys. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, the best thing to do to support us is to give us five stars and tell your friends about it. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you know, all the major podcast things. If you want to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter, at QuickTripDW. You can also follow me there, at CelebrityWriter, but I don't think Mac is on Twitter anymore, and he hasn't corrected me. But you can watch Mac's YouTube channel, called MacTheMeh, where he does insightful essays about video games
1: and join us next time on a quick trip through space and time in which we are reintroduced to an old friend and an old enemy in the invasion
0: Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on a quick trip through Space and Time, a podcast where a Doctor Who veteran and a Doctor Who beginner no, go through no, each episode. No? No. No? No. Oh, no. What am I saying wrong? <laughs> uh, hey, everyone.
1: Thank, uh, hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us on a quick trip through Space and Time. My name is, my name is Caleb, and I'm Mac. Oh, yeah. And this is, <laughs> it's like... What? No. Uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's been almost two months. It's fine. We're rusty. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, <clears throat> yeah we're rusty. Just kind of brush off the rust.
0: Yeah.